Hello, everybody, to another episode of Metas and Mutants. I am Super Psy Guy, and today we're back with Hendrick. What's How have up? things been with you, my guy? Oh, things have been great. I'm uh, really excited to be back on the show and uh, talk about some great comic book stuff. Yeah. Have you seen the new trailer for X-Men 97? Oh, yes. A couple of times. <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts on it so far? Uh, I think it looks great. I This is probably a little sacrilegious, but I've actually never fully finished the original X-Men animated series. I've seen like a lot of it, but I've never watched it front to back like I like to do. So um, it's kind of inspiring me to finally sit down and do that and yeah. get ready for the new show. Yeah, especially since 97 is a direct continuation. It's not a <laughs> yeah, not like yeah, an cause... adaptation or a re remake it's a no it's a full-on continuation the the end of the last season there is the start of the new season yeah and so there was uh there's a big thing in uh the trailer which i guess kind of spoilers for the end of the original um but it was a spoiler for me that professor x is uh oh, he's dead he did of course He's dead, but also this is comic stuff and especially X-Men stuff. Yeah. You're not really an X-Men until you've died at least twice. Like, yeah. that's just that's just how it goes. It's a rite of passage. It really is. One of the things that kind of blew my mind in the trailer is it made for a really cool scene in the trailer, and I imagine it's going to be a cool scene in the show. But where, like, Gambit jumps on Wolverine's back and uses yeah. his powers on Wolverine's claws looked cool as fuck. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm really excited to see that because the only, like, comic like book reference to end. that that I've seen, um, it was not a team-up move, it was a threat. So Yeah, and it's one of those ones, like, it looks fantastic all the way up until you realize how gambit's powers work exactly so, he yeah, has I'm, turned I'm really that man that. into a suicide bomber yep his because his bones are part of his skeleton which means in theory his entire skeleton is now a walking explosive that will blow up it's not a it might it's will yeah wolverine's gonna be real pissed after he'll live because you know healing factor but he's going to be pissed. And even assuming, even assuming it's just the claws and not his whole skeleton. At the very minimum, that's blowing off his arms, right? Right. Like, at least the lower half of his arm is gone on each hand. So it's one of those, like, how much am I going to have to not think about this when I see it? Because, like, the scene looked cool as hell. But I, I can't think about this without thinking, he's going to die. Yeah. He's going to blow himself up right there. Gambit just murdered a guy on a children's television show. He's going to have, like, the baby hands, like Deadpool. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> 
little butter knives coming out. So with that, though, kind of leads into today's topic, which is kind of uh, mostly about people freaking out about X-Men being woke. And if obviously no cameras, but I definitely did air quotations around woke because if you're complaining about that being an X-Men, you've never read the X-Men? Or you have the uh, media literacy of a toddler. X-Men's never been subtle about it. It's always been pretty open. That's what it's about. So, it's not even that. You've either never actually read the X-Men, or you read storylines like... uh, God loves, man kills, and you root for Reverend Stryker. Right. And, or you read some of the other storylines, and you're like, hey man, the friends of humanity are the good guys, the X-Men are the villains. And yeah, it's like, you have to completely miss the point of them if you think, you know, X-Men is now woke when it's always been that way. In fact, I have a quote here from Chris Claremont, who is arguably the best X-Men writer of all time. Like he, he was the one who introduced Wolverine, Storm, Colossus, uh, John Proudstar, all these guys. Like He was the one who basically introduced most of the people beyond the original team. And he said this in 1981, so that's over 40 years ago at this point. The X-Men are hated, feared, and despised collectively by humanity for no other reason than that they are mutants. So what we have here, intended or not, is a book that is about racism, bigotry, and prejudice. And I don't think anyone who's a who actually reads X-Men would disagree with that. Right. Well, and yeah, that's one thing that's always like, um, been difficult for me with the X-Men in like a larger Marvel universe, because you've got people like to the public eye would be no different than a mutant. And he's beloved by all, except for J. Jonah Jameson. And then you've got the X-Men, who, again, from an outsider's perspective, basically the same thing. Like, you're a a person, but you have powers. And the X-Men are always, like, hated. And so... I mean, to be fair, there's been multiple storylines in the main universe... And even kind of implied in the animated shows from, like, the old Spider-Man and X-Men. And even there's a, in the new trailer, there's a little clip of a newspaper, Daily Bugle, that questions, is Spider-Man a mutant? Yeah, yeah. And Spider-Man's always rolled with the mutant guys. Like, he's even taught at Xavier's Academy. Storm hated it because she just doesn't like him, but... Yeah. But, you know, she puts up with it because Wolverine fucking loves the guy. Yeah, 
and so it's like if if you can't see that and see that like this is these characters have always been a metaphor like yeah, yeah. you're just really missing the point of what they are <laughs> 100%. But yeah, it's like, if you go into the history of X-Men, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, when they first wrote it, despite popular belief, it was not originally MLK and Malcolm X, as the analogies. But it, they were writing from their experiences as Jewish people born in... I think Kirby was like 1917 and Stan Lee was like 1920 or something like that. So they're writing from their experiences as Jewish people who grew up before World War II happened and during World War II and the experiences they faced. Yeah. And what, And then as the civil rights era hit, a lot of, you know people of color, a lot of black people especially, identified with them because, turns out, they went through a lot of the same experiences. Except for them, it was ongoing then where, for Stanley and Jack Kirby, they were writing about their youth. So it's like, and they, they accepted it. They kind of worked that in because it was very much a similar experience. Yeah, and like I, I do know that it has been debunked that it was always meant to be kind of an MLK Malcolm X thing, but I think that that works so beautifully that even without that being the original intention, the fact that it's kind of morphed into that is perfect, and I really like it, especially because I don't know how it is uh, the schools where you live. But when I was growing up, it was always very black and white of MLK was the good guy because he did things the proper way. And Malcolm X was the villain because he was a big, scary man. And it's kind of been like that with um, Professor X and Magneto, where, you know, one was wholly good and one was wholly evil. And then as these characters have kind of matured a little bit, we get a lot more gray where it's really hard to find someone who would argue that Magneto is a full villain and has been for like two decades. Well, you see a big part is, is Stan Lee's actually talked about this, how Magneto was never actually meant to be outright, just a one note villain. He was always meant to be the, and again, this is where a lot of the Malcolm X comparisons come in. But it was always meant to be a by any means necessary, we will survive. Yeah. Because, remember, you look at Magneto's backstory, he literally survived the Holocaust. As a Jewish person. Yep. And he decided, I've already seen people attempt to wipe my people out because of who we were there. And then seeing it again towards mutants... He's already decided never again and took it to its next logical step. And there were actually a couple of Jewish leaders around like the 30s and 40s who had very similar 
comparisons to Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, where one of them was more of a diplomatic reproach to all these situations, and another one was very much, we will militantly defend ourselves. So it was actually based off of them. I cannot remember their names offhand. Yes, it was... uh... It was an Israeli Prime Minister, David Ben-Gurion, who was um, basically the Professor X. And then there was another man, Menachem, and I'm so sorry for butchering these names, (laughs) Menachem Begin. And he was a radical leader of a Zionist military group. Yeah. And, like, that goes into a whole different... Uh, thing given the world's <laughs> events going on right now. Yep. Where I'll say it outright myself, and I I'm only speaking for myself here, but uh, Israel's committing genocide. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. That's straight up what that is right now. And, but, so, like, outside of, like, going into the whole Zionism aspect, those leaders had very similar um, speeches to what MLK and Malcolm X had, which also carries on into the civil rights era, which is where a lot of the comparisons do come from. But as they hit, Stanley and Jack Kirby embraced those comparisons as well, because they were writing about their own struggles, and if other people identified for it, with it, it means they're writing stories well. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can identify with a story, it means it's well written. It means you can see yourself there. And then, hell, even later, by the time 70s and 80s hit, you started seeing the LGBTQ plus community pushing for equal rights and and recognition and you know the whole I'm allowed to be gay it shouldn't be a, a literal crime to be gay yeah. which was a very big thing and still is in a lot of places so like in the 70s and 80s especially with Chris Claremont he he did gay code a lot of or queer code I should say a lot of characters even though he himself was not queer, he's a straight white guy, he had a lot of friends who were. He was also big into like the BDSM community and everything, and there was a fair bit of overlap. So he was familiar with a lot of the community as well, and wrote stories about that kind of stuff. Jim Shooter, who was the editor-in-chief at the time, was very... Uh, I don't think he was publicly homophobic, but he did have strict editorial mandates about you were not allowed to have trans characters, you were not allowed to have queer characters, and stuff like that. Like Whether or not he was personally homophobic, I do not know, but he did put in a lot of homophobic practices while being editor. And... Chris Claremont just went out of his way to actively subvert that <laughs> because he he did queer code storm quite a bit. Uh, 
Storm developing that relationship with Yukio in Japan during a few of those storylines was very much a queer coded relationship and then how she came back with like almost that like punk rock look and everything from Japan at that time in Japan that style was almost exclusively in the queer community so like that was one way to kind of bring that in there so people in those communities could still see themselves in a character without being so overt about it that he gets taken off the work, he loses his job, it doesn't get printed, whatever else. Yeah. He was also known for researching, like, you know, medieval slang for terms like lovers and stuff like that, and using that, especially with Mystique, talking to other characters and using medieval slang for lovers that like nobody's really looking up so it passed even though Mystique was calling Destiny her lover because <laughs> it didn't say oh you're my lover or oh my love stuff like that it slid past which goes into something else a lot of people are freaking out on is in a recent X-Men comic um, Mystique recently uh, revealed that her powers allow her to take on, alter herself at the genetic level, at the DNA level. And that she's actually Nightcrawler's father, with Destiny being his mother. And a lot of people are upset about this and freaking out. And I think it's hilarious because if you actually look into it, that's actually what Chris Claremont wanted to do originally with the character. And right. he was shot down by Jim Shooter. Which ultimately is what led to uh, Mystique being his mother. And the father was always unidentified up until an absolute controversial and personally, I'm not a fan of it, a run where they made Azazel his father. Part of the reason this is not, it, it was from a storyline called The Draco, written by Chuck Austin. And the reason that storyline really sucks for me is the fact that it goes against everything about Nightcrawler's character. He's, like, the whole time, like, because this, this was in, like, late 2003, early 2004. And at this point, Nightcrawler had been around since the 70s. And it was always, I look like a demon, but I'm not a demon. I'm I'm a mutant, but I'm just a person like everyone else. Yeah. I'm not a demon. So when they kind of did that storyline and made Azazel his father, they basically undid all of that because Azazel, while being a mutant, is a demon mutant, not a human mutant. And it kind of just undoes 
all of that storyline, all of the character work, a lot of the emotional investment into Nightcrawler's struggles and everything. Yeah. Undone right there. So they kind of retconned that by, well, retconned that into what the original storyline should have been, or was, but was shot down, of Mystique being the father, and Mystique kind of explained that she's always been able to mix and match DNA from everyone she's encountered, and since she had encountered Azazel by this point and everything else, there was a little bit of Azazel in him, a little bit of um, the man who was Destiny's husband at the time, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and like ultimately all of that came out, which is why Nightcrawler has the tail. And that's how they kind of explained it, but it was like, it was nice for me to see that they actually went with what the original story was. Yeah. Even if it is, you know, 30 years late, 40 years late, it's still nice to see. And it's a good tribute to, like, long, long-time X-Men fans, especially ones who love Chris Claremont. Yeah. And I don't know. There's uh, one other aspect of the new show that kind of ties into that bit is uh, Morph. It was recently announced that Morph is non-binary. And boy, let me tell you, the internet especially certain aspects of it, have absolutely lost their shit about that. You're making them gay. You're making X-Men woke. You're doing this. And it's like, you know what? When you have a character like Morph, or even like Mystique, where, yeah. where gender is literally not a thing for you, you can be man, you can be woman, you can be whatever. It honestly just makes sense. Like, you can alter any aspect of yourself. Gender becomes a lot less important. You, it's like, it's no surprise that he ident or that morph identifies as non-binary. Because gender does not exist for them anymore. Yeah. It's, it's like, <laughs> at, at that point, what is the point of picking Just, one? Yeah, and in, like, Mystique's case, I know we often see, like, the term lesbian thrown around for her, which isn't accurate. We see bisexual, which is, again, not exactly accurate either. At this yeah. point, Mystique, even though she still primarily identifies as her... She still goes, like, even though she's Nightcrawler's father, she still goes the mother. Mm -hmm. It's like, so, that, but it's like, she's more pansexual. She's attracted to, you know, anyone that she actually finds attractive. It doesn't matter whether they're human, they're mutant, they're guy, they're girl, they're demon, they're yeah. whatever. So it's like, no, she's full-on pansexual, which, again, makes sense when you can be literally anyone or anything. 
Yeah. Well, and the whole argument of gender falls apart when you can, at a molecular level, restructure yourself to be a different gender because it's like, oh, you can't change your gender. No, but they <laughs> Bitch, literally. Please. Yeah. <laughs> Bitch, they please literally watch can. me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, obviously think it's great. Um, it's. Uh, albeit a safe choice, it's good to see more inclusivity. I really hope they do something kind of interesting with it, because um, did you watch Gen V? I have not. Okay, so first of all, it's spectacular. It has a little bit of a slower start than The Boys, but towards the end, it's like, okay, yeah, this is this is a great show. But they have a character who's superpower is to change their gender as well um and they are non-binary because again there is no binary when you can change it at will um but they had a really fascinating story arc um about like being accepted as a non-binary person even again with the literal ability to change at will um, and there was a there was a part where their parents came to visit, and the way that that was handled was really quality television. And so I really hope that they do something interesting with it with Morph. And it's not just like, yeah, we're just going to use they them for them and uh, never bring it up again. Well, I know uh, one of the things they mentioned in the tweet i want to try and find the exact tweet here okay it's uh this is a lighter take on the character who is non-binary and has an interesting buddy relationship with wolverine the character's past with mr sinister the show's villain could also come into play that is the statement Hmm. okay so it's like okay it's gonna be a lighter take and it's it's an X-Men cartoon that's meant for kids. I don't expect them to go super deep into a lot of this stuff. They still touch on the subjects. They always have. Yeah. But it's... Do I expect an in-depth and nuanced discussion of it? Or characterization of it? No. But you're right. It is nice to see. Morph is a safe character to do that with. But it's also a character that just makes sense to do that with. Him having an interesting buddy relationship with Wolverine has that line has also made people go, Oh, they're making Wolverine gay. My guy Wolverine is I will say Wolverine is a straight man, but he is very much ex- experimented with his sexuality. There are literally comic covers of hit or comic covers and panels of him checking out Nightcrawler completely naked. Him and Nightcrawler have also kind of talked how they about how they comfort each other in an intimate fashion. It, it's yeah. it's never outright said, but Wolverine's comfortable enough with his sexuality that He's, he's boned a dude. Right. And or been boned by a dude. Doesn't matter. 
And it's like, if, if you've been alive for a couple hundred years... The you, odds you of can... you not experimenting. Yeah, exactly. And more importantly, Wolverine, despite being, again, a white guy, has been heavily influenced by both Japanese culture, which doesn't exactly have the Western hang-ups of homosexuality, and indigenous Native American culture, which mm. also doesn't have the Western hang-ups of homosexuality. In fact, they've openly recognized, you know, the whole concept of two-souled people, of stuff yeah. like that is very common within the Native American communities. The fact that he's so closely tied to multiple communities that don't have hang-ups about that also implies he's comfortable enough. But, and it's like him, but again, even with that statement, interesting buddy relationship, doesn't say anything about Wolverine being gay. It's an interesting relationship where they're buddies. Yeah. One of the huge aspects of the early season, like I think season one of the show, is Morph dying and Wolverine losing his absolute shit over it. Because Morph is his closest friend on the team. With... And then Morph coming back later on in the series. Why wouldn't they explore that a bit more in the in the reboot or in the continuation? Yeah, it, it sure. makes sense. Like it it doesn't even go against what's going on in the show. It also never really says that they're gay. It says they're they're buddies and they have an interesting relationship. A non-binary shapeshifter. And a multiple hundred year old person who's effectively a warrior at heart. He's, again, got the, the Japanese samurai culture of honor and everything. But also, his... How in touch he is with like nature and like the hunting spirit type thing. And his mm -hmm. use as literally trained as an assassin and a weapon. Would obviously make a very interesting relationship. That's all you gotta do. And then, of course, Mr. Sinister has been known to just be Mr. Sinister. If you don't, if you haven't read much of anything with him, he clones himself on a regular basis, talks about how attractive he is. Yeah. He, he's made female clones of himself and fallen in love with female clones of himself, but he's also fallen in love with male clones of himself. The whole thing is pretty homoerotic in a way, and it's just like, it's fucking whatever. That's that's kind of Sinister's whole thing. So it's like, nothing about this goes, is even that deep. It's a guy who literally isn't affected by gender happens to be non-binary. Has a friendship with another guy. And a past with a guy who's also being a big vil recurring villain throughout the whole thing. It ain't that deep, people. No need to get this butthurt about it. Yeah. 
Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the discourse on the subject has been the typical vitriol that you would expect on this kind of stuff. But um, I did see one tweet that had made me laugh. Uh, it was something along the lines of uh, the X-Men were never meant to be queer. You can't create anything. So you just corrupt what already exists like Satan. And it's like, wow, there's a lot to unpack there. It's like, boy, that is certainly a thing you can say. You'd yeah. be wrong, but you can say it. You can, uh, you're objectively wrong, especially if you've re read anything from the Chris Claremont era. Which, for people who aren't uh, sure, Chris Claremont wrote X Men for 16 years. Yeah, you. 75 you, to 91. Pretty yeah, much if, every if character in that about, period. He had something to do with it. Exactly. If if you like anything about X Men, chances are you've got Chris Claremont to thank for it. Yeah, it's like he did a whole bunch of stuff. He helped introduce Kitty Pride, uh, the the Proteus Saga, the Dark Phoenix Saga, Days of Future Past, the original Brood Saga, God Loves Man Kills, which is again one of the most iconic Dark Phoenix Saga and Days of Future Past are probably the most known sagas but mm -hmm. God Loves Man Kills is in my opinion probably the most iconic X-Men storyline uh, he helped in, he helped create Moira McTaggart Lilandra, the Shi'ar Empire Arcade, Emma Frost and the Hellfire Club Dazzler, Rachel Summers, Callisto, Caliban, Forge. Uh, when he was working on Miss Marvel before, he did Mystique and Deathbird and brought them into the X-Men universe. As, and at this point, they're predominantly X-Men characters. They're not even known as Miss Marvel characters. He was the one who turned Magneto from, like, a villain with, you know, a villain who makes a few good points to full-on being an anti-hero in his own right. He was responsible for that. He's, he's done things like help solidify characters like Storm as leaders and not just Cyclops. He's done he was a big part of the un, the original Uncanny X-Men run where n none of the original five X-Men were main characters. In fact, Cyclops full-on left the team and did X-Factor, which was also under Chris Claremont's thing, but that was it, it was X-Factor, not X-Men. They were not the main team he put emphasis on storm wolverine and colossus where you're looking at immigrants women people of color as featured characters you have Longshot, dazzler psylocke in her original body before she got mind swapped into the body of a japanese assassin he introduced 
he also introduced the Japanese assassin Cyclops and Gambit. He turned Sabretooth into an X-Men villain because he was an Iron Fist villain originally. He was just a martial artist and an Iron Fist villain, not a mutant. Oh, wow. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. So it's like he's done so much stuff where there is not a thing in modern X-Men that exists outside of the original five that doesn't touch on Chris Claremont. And even the original five, thanks to things like the Dark Phoenix Saga, still absolutely is influenced by Claremont. I would say Claremont is probably more important for X-Men lore than Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, who created the team in the original characters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So to say, it's like, oh, they're not gay. It's like, my guy, you clearly didn't read Chris Claremont's era of X-Men or paid attention to any of the things in it because it was around this time where a lot of these characters were coded a certain way. Right. And it's even even going more recent. This isn't like the first X-Men character to uh, be more vocally queer-coded because wasn't it back in like 2015 or something that Iceman came out as gay? So that's like 10 years ago. Yep. That was um, 20... That was August 2015? I and, think, like... Or Kitty sorry, Pryor, November, November 2015. And that's where it was first came out. There was always... There was even a few panels of things well before this. Where it almost... Implied he might have been interested... Like, there, there were even panels of, like, uh, of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby stuff where everyone was obsessing over Jean Grey joining the team because she was the last of the original five to go there. And all the other, like, Cyclops, Beast, and Angel were like, oh, oh, it's a girl, and you actually have a panel of him off to the side being like, oh, whatever. Someone else to take the attention away from me. And it's like, if that's not even a, something that could be interpreted as, you know, who knows? But it's like, it's never been a full-on oh, he has to be super straight. It's just whatever. And he's also not the first gay X-Men. Yeah. North Star had a, a full-on thing where uh, he uh, got married to his boyfriend. And it was a big thing. It was That was in 2004. That was literally 20 years ago. And it was like a big thing because I think it was the first time 
a major character was openly gay and got married. Yeah. The the first um, openly transgender comic book character was also an X-Men. Uh, Escapade. Okay. I'm actually not super familiar with that one. I'm actually not either. Um, she is a relatively new character. Um, but I, I just, I found out about her when I was researching a few things for this episode. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's literally always been here. It's, it's baked into the DNA of X Men. <laughs> yeah. So, like, people freaking out about this, honestly, laugh at them. Laugh at them if they're just being, you know, oh, this is woke, I'll never read this, like, whatever. If it's one of those, like, why are they changing characters and they're just, like, genuinely curious, educate them. Because, like, sometimes it's literally people who haven't picked up comics in 30, 40 years. Or maybe are just getting into it and it's like, why are people upset about this? Or, like, the first ones I read were, like, there was a run where Kitty Pride and Iceman were dating. And it's like, that was the last time I read a comic. Why is he gay now? And it's like, oh, well, actually, this is a thing that happened. You just educate them. Yeah. And if there's still a big whole, uh, basically a bigot about it, just make fun of them. Because those were people who were probably never going to read the stuff in the first place. They were never going to watch the stuff in the first place. Don't waste breath on people, or don't waste the effort on people who aren't interested in actually doing the stuff. Or, like, interested in actually learning and caring about the characters. I honestly, I hope they do make Wolverine gay. I hope, I hope him and <laughs> more. I hope there's like an episode where it's like, hey, I know this is a kid show, but this episode is not for kids, and Morph and Wolverine just go at it. Fuck it. It's for the kids still. There's kids <laughs> with two moms, there's kids with two dads. It's nice for them to be like, hey, man, my dad's like Wolverine. Yeah. Fucking awesome. Yeah. And trust me, if, if, if you're worried about the kids on that kind of thing, if you talk to kids and just explain it to them, they're smarter than you think. They're yeah, smarter they're, than people give them credit for. That's for sure. <laughs> That's also true. But it's like they're, they're smarter than people give them credit for. You you actually talk to them and explain why. It's like, hey, well, you know, there's some people there, – there are some boys who just like other boys. They don't like other girls. Oh, okay. Yep. And they'll walk away and, like, they don't care. They're like, oh, yeah. that makes sense. And it also means that, like, as they grow up, they understand, hey, this happens. I have a friend who's like that, or maybe I'm like that. It's nothing to be ashamed about. It's amazing what just explaining that kind of thing will do to a kid for their morale. It's like, it's not that they were turned gay. It was that they were always gay 
gay and it took a while to recognize that and accept that and if you yeah. just explain it, it's like oh okay they don't think twice about it they just care if they like the same dinosaurs as you or not exactly they, they care if you like the same superheroes they care if you know you like the same tv shows they, they don't care if you like a guy or a girl. If they ask the question, you just be like, yeah, no. That girl likes other girls. That's all. Okay. Hey, do you like playing dress up? Problem solved. Yep. Th- th- that's as far as they really care about it. It's like, oh, cool. Are they, am I still allowed to play with them? Yeah. But yeah, and then it's just, it's the hard part for me is that like we're having this conversation uh not you and me but like society as a whole is like this character can't be non-binary and like then you have stuff in the news like what happened with next benedict and it's like you need to get your priorities straight like grow up it's time to stop caring this much about what other people do with their bodies and kids are getting hurt because of this bigotry yeah and the other thing you'll see a lot is uh oh why are you turning these characters gay why don't you make new characters and then if they do make a new character that's gay like, oh, you only made it to be inclusive. This is this is yeah. just anti-straight bigotry. It's like, there's no winning with those people. Yep. So, fuck it. Like I said, if it's one of those ones where, like, they're genuinely curious and asking, explain it to them. And if they just, they're, if they're just being bigots, fuck them. Not worth the effort. But yeah, so that that was mostly the big topic of this episode here, was talking about that, because it's definitely relevant to today's times and societies, and both of these, those major things were uh, pretty recent things that have been hitting the news, and, well, we don't fuck with that. Yep. Well, well we fuck with it in the sense of, we're here for it. We don't, we don't fuck with the, everyone being upset about this. Like, bro, you've clearly never paid attention to what X-Men is about. It's always been about the people who are discriminated against. And with, uh, with that, I'm Super Psy Guy. This is Hendrik. And where can they find you if they're interested in looking up anything you do? Because I know you have music. I know you do a few other things. Um, right now you can find me on Facebook or Instagram. Um, my personal accounts are there. Um, I've got some new music in the pipeline, but nothing ready to release. Um, but hopefully by the end of the year, I'm going to have at least one, maybe two EPs out that are vastly different from each other. (laughs) Hey, that's all good. And if you also don't know, he was also in the band Negated. Check them out as well. Because, you know, it's good stuff. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I'm obviously 
super guy on pretty much everything. And with that, we are out. Peace.